Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, trailers, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. Today we'll be taking a look at the 32nd Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and president of the Weird Al fan club, Ivan. I think the, the I think the only song of Weird Al that I can memorize by heart is the the Star Wars parody they did. Oh, a long time ago. Heck yeah, yeah. That's that's is that what it's called, or is it like Dark Side of the Force or something like that? I forget. I don't know. I don't did know. you see the Daniel Radcliffe movie? I haven't watched it yet. Did you? No. I should. I feel like he's not the right pick for that movie. <laughs> That's what I thought too, but it's like at then again, it could be like such the wrong pick that it's the right pick kind of situation. Wow, this got a 6.9 out of 10. Nice. Well, you know what? I'm 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 loading it up. I'm watching <laughs> it tonight. I'm finding the subscription service and subscribing to it whatever is hosting it right now. Did it get a 420 on the reviews or something like that? I feel like because it got a 69. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's uh, it's on Roku free right now. If you want to watch it, is that like a streaming it's like service? A jailbroken thing. Oh, oh, okay. Is it anywhere else? Is it is it on Tubi? Because I'm always on Tubi. Let's get off of Tubi, number one. I love Tubi. It's got all their classics, '90s and '80s cartoons. Not sponsoring us, so <laughs> that's the end of Tubi references on this. Why would Men's Health magazine write an article on where to watch Weird Al? People are getting out of their lanes. <laughs> <laughs> Men's Health was gone the minute that they started talking about <laughs> where to watch it. Oh, we we have to put our voice out there, guys. We need somebody writing an article on this. <laughs> There's a category so it, it aligns somehow, some way that we can't understand yet. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know where you can watch this other than just seeing Roku. You know what I mean, you can watch right now, though? That's available to purchase for a huge fee? Oh, yeah? It's the Super Mario Bros. movie. Yeah, how much is the fee? Because it might not be worth it. <laughs> There's something interesting, because I just read this up yesterday, but if you want to stream it, you're going to be waiting until the fall. So around like October, maybe November to watch this movie on Peacock. If no, you want to rent it, it's going to cost you $25 online. What? If you want to buy it, it's going to be anywhere from $30 to $35, depending on the platform that you're choosing to buy it on digitally. What? Just to hear peaches? Yep. <laughs> now, if somebody missed it, what would your um, advice be? Buy it, rent it, or wait? <laughs> I'll be honest. I... Just go watch it in the movies. <laughs> you know, if if you really like, it's, it's still it's, out. Yes, it's still out. It's still fresh. Um, that being said, I mean, like, I, I kind of understand why it's, it's it's such a high premium. The movie hit a billion dollars, like I think last week or something like that. But it's uh, it's been on That's a roll. Unreal. Yeah, but like, it, it's not a horrible movie either, though. Like, it's it's pretty good. I I liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. But it's definitely not something like I'm used to paying twenty twenty five dollars for a new release digitally and i normally don't get those i wait until they drop down to like 10 or 15 dollars you know like if, if i want something like and i don't want to pay for like the subscription service it was on uh but yeah honestly go go to the movies and watch it i i although i will say this if you have kids i think 30 dollars is not a bad price to pay considering you're gonna have to pay like 
more, far more than that for you, your kids, and you know whatever the rest of the family tallies up to. Yeah, I have no idea what it's like to raise kids, but I imagine they're gonna want to watch it more than once. So, yeah. yeah, buying it makes sense then, but I don't know as an average adult, I would say wait, just wait till fall. It's not I, worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would advise the same. Except, you know, like, I, I I probably will end up buying it. My niece keeps asking my Alexa to play Peaches Peaches every time she's over. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> it's a, There's always a song. Every summer movie season, there's always this one viral song that all the kids seem to be into, and it seems to be everywhere and inescapable. It's Peaches now. So thanks, Jack Black. Um, before we move on, though, your favorite Weird Al song, was it... Um... Uh, what did, the Star Wars one? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I think so. Mine was the 11 minute and 24 second Albuquerque. <laughs> Do you remember that one? That was like one of my earliest memories of like a burned CD that I got from a friend. Yeah. And it was just, that was storytelling. That was the original comedy to me. 11 minutes. And 24 seconds. That's insane. Even today. Do you want a bear claw? Yeah, I want a bear claw. <laughs> Man, if you don't think I'm listening to that after this, whew, you are mistaken. <laughs> Weird Al is just top tier, like musical, really lyrical jam. Like I know it's not original stuff he comes up with, but like the the way he finds ways to bend it and like rhyme to the lyrics, I think is like all of an art in of itself. So yeah, to have a parody but still be like satirical, but also be light on itself, that's really difficult to do. Dude, I wanted to ask you something. And I was going to text this over to you the other day, but like I thought I would save it for the podcast. And in line with with uh, with the stuff that that's uh, I think that we've been seeing lately. But June this year is going to be full, like stack full of movies. Oh, my God. I know. Are you like, is there anything that you feel like? Because I, I took a look at the number, like like statistically, how many numbers number of movies that were dropped. This is the biggest summer movie season we've had in a very long time. And I think this is a summer movie season where I absolutely am only mildly interested in certain things. I don't feel like there's Whoa. one thing that I absolutely want to see and I can't wait for it. But there was like it... when I went to see Guardians, there was like four on the same day that I was like, I want to see all of these. I might just double feature. Um, obviously, I want to see uh, Spider-Verse 2. Right. Second. Um there was a bunch on June 13th. I can't remember them all. The Flash was June 16th. I got to see. You said you saw it already. What else was there? There was like one other one that was... Uh, Fast X, I think, is dropping this this Friday. No, that's never on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was another one that was like... I really had to see in June. Was it is Secret Mission Invasion? Impossible but that's... I haven't seen a Mission Impossible, or I've seen like one, the one with uh, Henry Cavill in it. I always oh Tra- Transformers. I was big into June 9th. Yeah, I was thinking about getting the AMC pass again. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm not saying I'm not going to watch any of these movies, but my thing is like I don't think I'm as ex- like super over the top excited over any of these. Like, and normally I I have at least one of these each summer movie season. I think you're crazy, man. I think this is a big month for us. The Meg 2, 
I think that one I'll, I'll probably put up on my highly anticipated. You think I have to see Meg one for that? No, I don't think you have to. <laughs> and same question for Fast and Fast X. Do I have to see Fast Nine one through nine? If you want to enjoy the Fast and Furious movies, just don't think at all. Just go in. Set your expectations to nothing, and you'll have a pretty good time with it. Did you see the trailer for that uh, No Hard Feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence movie? No. Really weird looking. I didn't even know she was getting work again. I feel like she hasn't been in stuff. No, she hasn't been in stuff for a while. She's been pregnant, yeah. Oh, she's been pregnant? Congratulations to Jennifer Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) What about Extraction 2 with our boy Thor? I, okay. I'm pumped for that one wasn't okay am i am you I weren't into the, extraction one no 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 i i thought it was cool but like didn't he get shot in the neck i thought he died yes but the yeah. the trailer does make they they comment on that saying you had to go through hell to get back to life <laughs> so <laughs> i get it i understand now and i'm in <laughs> with that line alone <laughs> I, that's the kind of movie where like i it's so funny where i draw my lines because like I don't care at all about fast X. But extraction, I'm it. <laughs> and it's like the same thing. It's just less cars. Less celebrity baggage too. I think that's it. I think just give me Chris Hemsworth, like one star. I thought he also retired from acting after his limitless series. Hemsworth? Was when it, he realized what was that, that what he had was the it? gene. Oh. Like for, for Alzheimer's? Like, for that... Alzheimer's, yeah. And he was like, I need to live. <laughs> <laughs> I chose to live with my millions. I'm sure he like I don't know. I don't know what the statistics are of him actually getting that, but besides carrying like carrying the gene and all that, but dude, you don't sometimes you don't play the statistic game. Sometimes you just you know bet on it happening and go live now. That's true. I should probably you, live by that same philosophy. It runs no, in my well, family. Hold on. Yeah, same here. But you you don't have Marvel money like this guy to live. <laughs> so you have to work. He has the choice. Listen, if your standards are low, you don't need Marvel money. <laughs> <laughs> Not living in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I meant like uh, you move somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, but no, Rise Transformers Rise of the Beast, I'm definitely going to. I am kind of nervous for that movie, but uh, like that's the one that that was the one that I, I said I'm kind of like mildly excited for. Yeah, I was a big Beast Formers guy. I loved Beast Wars. I thought, which by the way, I tracked down a couple episodes uh, before, which one of the reasons why I'm on Tubi. <laughs> 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 but um, I didn't realize how like antiquated that series was like as a kid i remember it being like this 3d masterpiece but oh i thought you were gonna be like uh plot wise like oh no no the story was dropping racist bombs or something no the story was so good but i just i felt like the um the animation doesn't live up to part i kind of hope they do a not a straight out remake, but like I, that's the franchise that I hope they revisit and really just kind of update graphics wise, at least. Mm. Um, I mean, we we kind of been talking movies here, anticipations. Do you have any like stuff on your wall that you've been getting into? We kind of took a little break here between uh, the ending of Boba, uh, not Boba Fett, 
Some Mandalorian show. <laughs> Some Mandalorian. Okay. I don't know. They're all the same. They all look oh. the same. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Say it in so. All those helmet heads. Oof. You been getting into anything? I've been watching a couple things uh, here and there. Let me see. What what have I been? I, I've been keeping up with Ted Lasso. And yeah. Yeah. That so. I got everybody in my family, I feel like, into Ted Lasso. Good. It's such a feel-good show. And the season especially. Yeah. I um uh, are you fully caught up to to the latest episode? Um I haven't seen this week's recording on the on five eighteen, so one came out la- last night. I haven't seen this one, but uh I saw the one before this week's. I don't know how they do it, but they consistently show and tie in details to past episodes and like there's i feel like every character has had his due like every character that has from the start been set up as something has had their arc and there's characters like jamie that i thought in the first season i was like definitely not interested in and i thought he was going to be like the like an antagonist throughout the whole series and complete turn by the end and it's just like the show hasn't dropped in quality. We're three seasons in. I don't know if this is the last one because they keep kind of teasing that it might be the, the end of the show. I'm kind of torn on that, you know, because it's it's like I like it. I wish it could go on. Yet at the same time, I respect if they say this is the end. Um, so long as they have like a formal and appropriate end in mind there. Yeah, we're we're in the midst of like the writer strike conversations and this is one show that would definitely suffer from that because it is beautiful writing every episode has one of those major like tug at your heartstrings speeches that you can see where they're going and then they take you kind of like way further than you were expecting like some of these Roy Kent speeches and Ted speeches every episode they're all so good like Coach Beard everyone's got one in this season and I really love it um and it like some people I talk to are like they kind of hit you over the head with some of these things, but I don't know. I I'm a sucker for them. I think they get what's going on in the world and they're willing to put it on like on paper and say it out loud. It's gonna sound cheesy, but I I do feel like this is the kind of show that we kind of need right now. Absolutely. You know? Well, some it, people need to watch this, and yeah, they're well, not the people that are watching. <laughs> it's such a feel good show that I think sometimes you can stray close to the to the like to cheese level like a, a dangerous cheese level on certain shows of it but this one does such a great job of balancing it out and i haven't seen anything like it it's hard to describe it to somebody that hasn't watched it but i'm just like like just watch it it's such a satisfying watch i think every episode i, I can't think of a single episode where i'm like well i don't know what they did there yeah it's just like they're almost too accepting of every lifestyle which I align with and you align with, but then it's like the people that would benefit from watching this and be like, oh, it's not that crazy to be gay or to be like whatever. Yeah. Those people are not watching it and they will not get the benefit of like, oh, maybe I should just talk to somebody about this. <laughs> well, the way like, the approach to this is so great too, though. Yeah. Like, it's, I haven't felt like it's been hitting anything over the head. I, the, the way that I feel like most mainstream stuff tends to do. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend about it. I think um, and so something that I noticed is I feel like most of the time, especially in the mainstream um, side of things, like when you're putting like in a Marvel movie or something or not, not, not necessarily that, but like in any sort of like big franchise, they tend to 
hit you over the head with it, but like make that the one trait for the character that's representing that. And it just kind of diminishes the whole impact that it could have. And this they haven't done that here. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not to backtrack. The other movie for June, uh, Little Mermaid. Obviously got to go see that. That's coming out May 26th, so it's technically not June, but uh, probably by the time I will see it, it will be. That looks amazing. I you saw it already? We'll be looking forward to talking to you about that. <laughs> when you saw it already? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not expecting the world. It looks like it's just a remake or a live action remake of it. But that was one of my favorite movies as like Disney movies as a kid. I'll be honest from from like uh just sharing a brief perspective on it. I think this is the strongest performance I've seen out of a Disney live action movie. The visuals yeah. are not it for me like the cgi feels a little rough and unfinished and i think that, that that but that's my only criticism of it i feel like they just that it felt a little bit rushed there but i think this is well how was how was lion before. king for you lion king i thought was okay but see the the, the thing that i maybe lion because, king to me was not good no oh in terms of like from a plot wise perspective yeah yeah i, I didn't like it i, I thought well, you meant it was from the like same plot i just mean like from a visual like the animals looked off and you either had to nail the animals or nail the voices and they picked the wrong voices and they didn't nail the animal CGI. I think sometimes these live action Disney movies suffer from the fact that we have an animated template for these. Right. And yeah. so I think that my main, cons- my main issue with little mermaid, and you'll see what I'm talking about when you actually see um, like the flounder and you see um, the, 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 the little crab, I forgot his name. Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah. There's just something that just doesn't feel right within the world that they established there, and it's because I'm constantly comparing it to the animated series, the, the animated movie, and it's hard to distinguish between those. But I, I think they picked the right actress for the role, and um, you'll see that I, I feel from like a performance standpoint, this might be my favorite of the live-action Disney stuff that they've done. That being said. The bar on that is a little low, you know, because I don't think we've had great ones. The one that I did see recently, and I have mixed feelings on, and I'm not sure if you had a chance to check it out because this is Disney. If you Plus, say Peter Pan, it's Peter Pan. I haven't I seen to, it yet. I'm watching this weekend. I had to check it out because it's Jude Law, you know, like yeah. Jude Law's Captain Hook. Perfect, perfect casting. Right. Can't say the same thing about everybody else. <laughs> oh man, are they I'll missing Robin Williams? I'm missing Robin Williams, and also, like, <laughs> to be honest with you, when it comes to live-action Peter Pan, I feel like they nailed it twice. They nailed it in Hook, and they nailed it in the 2003 um, live-action adaptation they did a while ago. I don't think it was Disney. It was something else, but I don't fully remember what uh, who produced that that one. That was... All I remember uh, is Jason Isaacs, the Inquisitor. PJ Hogan was, was the director. PJ Hogan. Jason Isaacs was the actor. Was Hook, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Sumter. That was, I think, the best straight-out adaptation of Peter Pan itself. Hook, I think, is a whole other level of of great. Um, but it's still those two movies for me after watching this one. Like, here's the thing. I do not like half of the new Peter Pan movie, but I think the back half makes the first half worth stomaching if that makes sense 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm into I'm into checking it out. I'll let you know my thoughts on it. Um, yeah, no, I feel like I don't really have anything in my wall. I feel like I was also been a lot of lasso. I'm watching a lot of like NBA finals stuff. Um, with golf season around, I've been watching a lot of uh, YouTube golf channels. There's a lot on YouTube. I never really realized this. There's so many rabbit holes you can go down. It's so Way funny too. To, like we each have our own algorithms and like, I think it really does uh, calculate what is for you. And we all experience something totally different. I agree. There's, there's a lot that just kind of goes in from, from one, I think from even just like clicking like on a couple different things, like it can lead you down a very weird path. Like I, I, I'll get into like conspiracy documentaries and stuff, right? And <laughs> so then watch like, a 9-11 conspiracy theory. Yeah, it was an inside job <laughs> and all, all that. <laughs> but it, it's such a dangerous thing sometimes with it too, because the algorithm, like you said, it is crazy the way it understands what you want to watch at that point. Um, because I feel like eight times out of ten, the recommendation bar kind of nails it when you put the whole autoplay feature and you're like, okay, this is kind of vibes yeah, yeah. with what I was just watching. So but it, it, you know what's scarier is that like someone's made that video and knows how to play you. And then YouTube's figured out like, oh, this one will play you as well. Like, <laughs> like yeah. with some of those conspiracy conspiracy things, like not even like it has to be conspiracy. It can just be like any about any topic. And it's like, I know that I will cater to you specifically with how I talk about this topic. I discovered this week how to tell YouTube you don't like something. Like, oh, I do that all the time. Little... It cleans up my algorithm for a little bit, but then it forces me back in my lane of before that. <laughs> I had watched something from Vice on yeah. like, and this is how crazy it can get. I was watching something on Vice on like infiltrating the cartels in Mexico and like interviewing some like drug traffickers. And then the immediate next video suggestion was a um, daily show, a compilation of uh, Jordan Klepper at the Trump rallies. And then that immediately pivots to um, a series of trailers from some conservative uh, movies from the Daily Wire to then pivot to to, Trump um, shit. (laughs) Yeah, but the last video on that whole spin was a video about how there's a cabal and a network working to destabilize the entire world's economy and get everybody on board into a new world order. And I'm like, okay. It just went so far out. Yeah. To yeah. one side. I didn't even uh, click like on any of that stuff, too. <laughs> so Yeah, if you just watch it for more than like five seconds, it's like, oh, you're into this. <laughs> That's why social media is kind of an echo chamber nowadays, especially. Yeah, it's real dangerous, man. Uh, the other one I actually just remembered as well. The Hunger Games prequel. Because these are all just trailers I caught while in the uh, in Marvel or in the in the Guardians. When is that coming out? I want to say the fall. That's not till like November. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about that later then. Why don't we get into this thing here, huh? Guardians three. We've been chit chatting for way too long. This is like a Ivan and Doctor Ben episode. Hey, okay. we we love those episodes. <laughs> just no kaiju's. <laughs> When uh, did you watch this movie? Because I 
I saw it opening weekend, not opening day, but opening weekend. And I was mm-hmm. gonna text you and be like, "Hey, did you have you had a chance to watch it?" And I, I think I took about a week to text you <laughs> that question. No, I uh, I just saw it this past weekend, uh, but I saw it a pretty full audience in the suburbs, which was impressive. Um, the crowd was kind of like, kind of like me. It was pretty tamed. There was no like applause or like aws or any like sad moments between us. Did you have like a crowd reactions at all? I did. I always get a pretty full theater. If I go to the neighborhood theater here, the AMC, no, not the AMC, the Regal. Um, I, I miss Nicole Kidman's little intro there for AMC. I can't watch. The cinema. <laughs> it feels good to cry in a place like this. Yes, it does, Nicole. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I got. Um, I was. I, I think I've said this multiple times, but like of half of the experience, I feel like it, for these movies is the the crowd reaction, at least for. Well, this one wasn't really like a crowd reaction type movie. Like it, not according know. to my crowd. <laughs> I I feel like some people are trying to force their way into those videos of people during Endgame or during Infinity War that really circulated, where they like I I it's like the same thing as screaming on a roller coaster to me. It's just like who are you yeah. doing that for? It doesn't serve you anything. I'll say, like, I feel like this movie, to me, um, felt like a really, really good ending to the Guardians movie. It also felt enough disconnection from the rest of the MCU to really make me enjoy it, I guess, for now. Because here's the thing, like, I feel like part of my problem with, like, the last couple MCU movies is that it feels like we're going nowhere as a whole. And if we're looking at it, this movie kind of takes another step in that same direction. Um, But this movie was meant to conclude James Gunn's whole story here as he progresses into working on DC movies exclusively. So I got satisfied by like everybody's arc here. And I've seen some people be disappointed that there was no deaths and none of that and there was nothing of consequences. I, I disagree. I think it was a good movie for that. It was a good movie for closure. I like that they didn't go like the stereotypical like Gamora and Peter Quill are now a thing again. Like he's James Gunn stuck to the whole Endgame ending there. Um, the the there were crowd reaction moments on on my end, but not not so much like a oh my gosh cheering kind of thing, but more so like kind of like the shock and celebratory phases of like Rocket's whole thing. Because I, I think that there's and I've heard some complaints that it's it's a bit rough to watch the like animal cruelty scenes. And I'll mind you, I feel like that's kind of kept me from watching it more than the two times I've watched it. Because like sometimes I will go back and, and watch a movie several times, but um, I'll agree with that element of things. But I don't know. I thought, I thought it was a strong movie. Um I don't think it was as good as the first one, but I feel like nothing could really top that. That was a fresh off experience. There was a lot of humor in this movie, but then again, that's been the Guardians formula. Where it feels awkward is in other aspects of the MC when it's overdone. But I thought I thought it was pretty level level headed here. Right. I think it started off really slow and kind of bad for me. I wasn't really into the intro for this for the first like 15, 20 minutes. But I, I slowly built into it, and I, I agree. I think a lot of the like 
you know, the action sequences are always good where they do those like slow-mo fight scenes and then into like high speed fight scenes. Um, I like the humor within these that that's always been their thing. The, the, the one thing that I think I had a problem with, with guardians too, was like once they realized that people liked a nice soundtrack of like eighties and nineties and seventies music, like, they overdid it in Guardians 2, and I feel like they just repeated that mistake in this one, where it was just constantly hitting you with like classic songs, and it's like, are you, it's too much fan service at that point, which just felt kind of wrong. But I mean, it is their thing, so I get it. Yeah, I, I think it can get a little uh, carried away with it. I did appreciate that as the uh, movies progressed, from where we got from one to, to, to this one, we were progressing in decades in movies, and it wasn't just sticking to just like your 80s classics anymore. Yeah, the Zune really helps with that, um, which they made a few jokes about, which is like, it's pretty funny. Um, it is interesting that they just never went back to Earth. Um or commented on that, like, because they tied in the holiday special to this movie, which wasn't necessary that you had to watch it. There was just a couple Easter eggs in there. But it's interesting that, like, Peter's never been back and never got, like, a iPod or something like that. Like, it just doesn't really make sense for his journey, I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, why don't we just start off with, like, well, why don't we talk about one plot point that I've been begging for ever since Guardians 2 was this uh, Adam Warlock bit of the Sovereigns where we're finally, we finally get to see him outside of his pod, uh, his little like growth chamber. I don't know. Were you excited, disappointed, or like neutral about him personally? I think, I think it's funny that they went a route of like, he's not fully mature yet because he, he was woken up too early by this like, Orgo Corp guy, uh, the main villain. But I don't know. It's something about him that was like, I felt like he was underutilized throughout this whole movie. I think he shows up as this like Superman invincible threat that tears him apart initially. Great. And like leaves. Great. That's like how you introduce a villain and that he'll be back for more. But then he comes around so easily. And like, or he pulls his punches too easily in a lot of these fights, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I like Will Poulter, but yeah, he's definitely very underutilized and not a very necessary character at all here. Yeah, and I think like the high priestess Aisha was like used a little too much. And I get they had to like set her up as the person who has to die in this movie for him to start questioning like his path. But she was also pretty weird in this movie. Yeah, I think um, I think overall though, like the that whole plotline just kind of felt like oh, like we we need to kind of deliver on that that one after the credit scene from back then. It, it was a bit weak. It wasn't really needed. I think it it didn't take away anything, but it also didn't add anything. So it felt a little bit out of place. It was great casting though for Will Poulter. Like I thought he did a, he did a pretty good job with what he had. Um, he beefed up the role too. He like, did, yeah, in, insanely. Like if you look at like we're the Mill- Millers that kid becomes this like that's insane um, also didn't realize he was british the one thing i do like about the sovereign was that they tied it into this orgo corp main plot line of like this guy's been populating lots of worlds throughout the galaxy with this like quote-unquote perfect species for that world um i thought that was really interesting that they were one of those and 
that they viewed this guy as like their deity um, and how they've always viewed themselves as being this perfect species. So I think that was like a nice way to tie that all together without hitting you over the head with like explaining that. Yeah, I think that I, I just think the high evolutionary started off as a strong villain in the first half, and then the last half uh, I, he kind of lost me. It was just it just became a like generic villain that's always yelling at his uh, subordinates constantly. So I was yeah, disappointed one, in that. It's one of those villains where it's like they build him up as this really strong, invincible guy. Like if Adam Warlock is you know top tier strength in this movie, and this guy, this high evolutionary, is like throwing him against the wall. You've now developed this like hierarchy of this guy's untouchable. And for the Guardians just to like, I don't know, get a few heavy punches in there and like take him out doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought he had powers, but apparently he just had tech. Yeah, like he kept talking about controlling gravity, which okay, cool power. And and they tied in Rocket's invention at the beginning of this movie that was like quietly mentioned and like, oh, that's forgettable. They tied that in really nicely, but then it's like, was that enough just to like affect, like get the upper hand on this guy? It shouldn't have been if we were taking the high evolutionary from the comics, but it, it is here. <laughs> I think the the whole rocket backstory, though, to me, was the strongest suit of this whole movie, and like that yeah. that was a big driving force. I I thought he was gonna die at the end. Like I, I honestly thought we were, we were heading in that direction, but once we got into the second act and he wasn't like in action yet, I I, I kind of start stopped thinking he was gonna kick the bucket this uh this movie. Yeah, I think this was the strongest point of this movie, and it was nice that like his little, uh, you know, he's going to the afterlife thing, his Harry Potter moment with Dumbledore, right? Like with uh, whatever her name Lila was or Lila. Lila Teeves. Yeah. And I forgot the other one. Floor was it? Floor. Yeah. Very forgettable floor. Um, <laughs> no, I thought the their moment was really nice. And like the, like that uh, half afterlife thing. Um, it was very Deadpool like where it's like, but it's not your time. You got to go back. Uh, but it was nice that it was, this is your story. Right. This is not Peter's or anyone else's like without having to say all this stuff other than saying like this. It's always been about you. You've always been our main character. Go back there and, and like kick some butt, which felt like, you know, amazing payoff for all the like the crap that we had to watch at the beginning. Like not crap that it was badly filmed, but just like like you said, with the animal cruelty, it's like watching these experiments on these animals was really tough. Um, like. Even though he was CGI, it's like when he forces out, like, it hurts. <laughs> like, that hurt everyone in the audience. Um, I will say the other thing, too. Like, um, I, I I, was very satisfied with where each member of the original team ended up. And that this is, the, this is really the end of this team, and we're not going to see some of these characters, at least for a long time. I'm perfectly happy with where they leave things off. And I will say for, like, the... On my part, too, like a little bit of bashing on, on the musical numbers and stuff. I really like that they ended this with Florence and the Machines <laughs> at the end there. Yeah, no, I think they I think they picked appropriate songs for each of the moments. It's just like they made too many moments is my only gripe. Yeah. It's like it, it loses significance of each song the more that you play a full playlist. My only defense on it is that that's been the case from the get go. 
you know, so like it, it, it not felt the first one though. Things. The first one had like just the right number of songs that it was like he had one mixtape and he played that throughout the movie. And like each song worked in its moment, whether it was like a slow romance song with Grimora to like a fight song or to the dance off battle, like every song flowed perfect. It was a perfect mixtape. And then the second one, they just made too many songs on that mixtape. They relied heavily on the second one because there was way too many numbers on there. I feel like there wasn't that many on this one, though. Dude, this one was insane. What are you talking about? They, they just kept playing. So they had how a, many, like, though? Because I don't, it I was like maybe three out of the time. No, it was like me DJing where it's like I gave you like half of a song and then I hit the next so I can get more songs in there. <laughs> I got to rewatch this maybe a third time once it hits home video <laughs> and see <laughs> count how many songs are in there because I remember I mean, three. Yeah, I absolutely will be rewatching this when it gets to Disney Plus. Like, this is one of those ones where I like I'm excited for it to come to home video, and I'll watch it multiple times. Um, we talked really briefly on Gamora there. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about her. Like, oh, I, I I wish they gave us a little background of like how she ended up with the Ravagers. Um, it seems like a fair fit, uh, and I and I agree. I I like that they didn't give in to this like boy has to end up with the girl even if it's not the original girl but sort of is the original girl like i like that they didn't force her into a corner and that she could even speak about it. it's like i'm not who you want me to be and i'm like you'll have to deal with that i'm sorry like i thought that was a very powerful message to put out there yeah our gomorrah is dead no, I I like that the the Gamora we knew officially is officially is dead. She's not coming back. They kind of solidified it. They better not take it back <laughs> at this point. That's the thing is like I think they give them a path for like they if they make more of these or if they make a Ravagers movie or if they make like an Avengers movie where they come in together. I think there is a path where they could end up together. It would just be a different relationship where he has memories of, you know, historical Gamora. Because they had that sort of bond at the end where it was like, oh, you're not that personality, you're this personality, but you still have, you know, threads of niceness within you that I liked about you. Um, so it, it seems like Peter evolved through this this movie from this drunken depression, which was like really hard to watch, to, uh, you know, not like f- trying to force her into a box and then realizing like, Oh, that was wrong of me, but there's still something about you that I like, um, which is really interesting to watch. And I, th- I think like it's probably one of those overlooked plot lines or discussion points within this movie, but probably one of the more important since it seems like since COVID, like at least people of our generation have just learned, like forgotten how to have relationships. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, th- I think one of the other things that I really liked about this is like each and every one of the characters got a trajectory and a, a finished trajectory that I didn't think was going to be possible from the first and second movie. But it feels natural now, having seen them complete their journey. Drax became a father again. Nebula became part of a family, which is what she always wanted to be. Rocket's now the leader, uh, which the easter eggs in the first two movies are that he's constantly trying to one-up mantis kind of got a little bit of an ending right she's going off on her own to kind of discover a little bit about herself so she's got like a half ending it seems like and then um nebula is the last one right um 
just becoming like the sheriff of nowhere. Yeah, and and Vin Diesel finally gets to say more than I am Groot in this movie. Yeah, can we talk about that? Because that was, I didn't like that personally. Like, I won't even tease up and just like ask you how you felt. Like, I do want to hear how you felt, but it was weird because it was like I get what they were trying to do, where it's like they did the thing with Gamora where she couldn't understand him. That's like us. We're seeing ourselves in her. Eventually, the more she's around him, she understands his language and knows like I am group means this in this situation and that in another situation. And then we're supposed to be like, oh, we've been around group so long that we understand that he's saying I love you guys or whatever. I just don't like it. <laughs> it's just like that's the whole point is that like we get to fill in what he's saying with what we like think. I don't think you have to, you don't have to like show us how the card trick is done on this one. Yeah, I, 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 it's felt like a one off moment to me, to be honest. So I, I didn't mind it too much because I, I could have sworn he says, I am Groot again at the end when they're about to fight that uh, wave of monsters that's coming their way. I could be totally wrong though, but if, if, it, if it was a one off, I have no problem with it. It just, it did feel clunky and awkward though. Well, it was just like his line came out of nowhere. Like, was it his turn to speak? Like, everyone else said something and then we look at him to speak. It was just like it was in the mix of it, which felt weird. Um, and they made such a big moment of it where it's like either you have to think deeply that like, oh, I understand the I am Groot language now. Instead, it should have been like he says, I love you guys. And they all go, wait, where did that come from? Like they should have been in on us being surprised. Like I think they just put, they forced us into the corner of like. We have we have to think about what just happened, and ultimately, most people come away confused on that instead of understanding that we just get the language now. I would have just had Dominic Toretto call them all family or something. God damn! I legit <laughs> thought a family comment was coming from that. Like, <laughs> I thought it was just gonna be like because we are family. <laughs> something had to happen there. But can we also talk about Groot? Like, he looks wrong in this movie. What is with the baby face on the man body? We just got a uh, vitamin deficient Groot before in the first movie. This is we're seeing Groot fully grown to his potential here. Yeah, like he was literally a stick. He was a twig, <laughs> and now he's got on like some sort. And this happened into the holiday special too. Wasn't he big in that? He was. Yeah. Was he even in that? I can't remember. That was he was roided I, up. Took me like five watches to get through that thing. Um, yeah, no, like it just doesn't. I don't like that group. That's not my group. All right, I'll say it. That's not my group. <laughs> Listen, it's the whey protein, man. That's that's a that's, that's more than way. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's on. There's no way that's which is a way. <laughs> He's on <laughs> something else. Um, what do they call it? NRT or the whatever the steroid NFTs. He's on NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I thought he was really in, an interesting character. I feel like they used him in such an odd way throughout this movie where he's an idiot and he's the muscle and then he's also a genius at times. Like he's able to execute Quill's plan of hiding the weapons within him perfectly. He gets chopped down to just a head by uh, by Adam Warlock in that first fight. And like he... I don't know. He's like super emotional with Rocket, but then he's also like, I don't know. He's just all over the place. And like, it's so hard to read this character where in the first movie, he was just like 
the muscle bodyguard, right? In the second movie, he was a baby. And then in the, uh, the Avengers movies, he was this, like... You know, teenager. Yeah, this teenager who's, like, hor- like hormonal and, like, got an attitude. Now it's just, like, w- have you picked a lane for this guy? It felt like they didn't know what to do with him after he kind of peaked a little bit in Guardians 1, right, in, in that form. I expected to see that. Yeah. I don't know if we really need to talk about, like, all the plot points. Like, I think the biggest time suck of this movie was that heist scene where it really and resulted in nothing like they didn't gather any information other than being like oh we have to go after that guy who was there by the way like they spent a lot of time there for my for my liking i don't really know if we need to go into too much detail on there was there anything within that that struck your eyes either like an easter egg or or something important it just felt like a way to put nathan fillion in this movie that that's it yeah right so uh, the only other like characters that I think got major airtime here were Craglin and Cosmo. The Cosmo being the telekinetic dog, they had a lot of screen time within this, and and Craglin obviously getting the abilities from um, Mon. I want to say Mondu. Yondu. Yeah, Yondu. I'm I'm mixing up uh, close, Mondo Burger there. from Good uh, from Good Burger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what did you, you think about their usage within this movie? Loved the addition of Cosmo. This that was my favorite. She was my favorite addition in in the holiday special. To be honest with you, um, Cracklin I thought was cool. Uh, they used them just enough. I didn't think they they overdid it too much. I think they had just a few highlight moments, and then that was kind of it. They had a little subplot of their tension there, but I, I I liked the way they were utilized overall. Yeah, and here's the thing: is like the holiday special wasn't mandatory viewing. But the holiday special also didn't explain how they got to become like the kings of nowhere. And, and like this movie didn't explain it. So it's like, wait, they're just running this town right now. Like that's what didn't really make sense because the last time that the casual fan saw these people was in Thor love and thunder where they were going on missions with Thor. And then they decided to go off and do their own missions without him. I, I would have liked the bridge from that point to, okay, now we're running nowhere, which also was like, why does that still exist? Didn't Thanos de- destroy this? I thought it, I thought he did too, right? That was where the collector was, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And like he faked the reality of like, it's all normal there. But then when he cl- like closed off that reality stone, it was all on fire. <laughs> like, how do they turn this lawless place that was on fire into this prosperous town again? That was the only tie into Eternals too, because that is a giant floating Eternals head. So I mean, not Eternals, whatever you call it, the the big the big dude, the big ones. No, that was that was Eternals. No, um, no, no, yeah, but but the 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 being, I forgot what it's called, a celestial. There you go. Sure. If you can remember that movie, points to you. That's um, the one takeaway from Eternals. <laughs> we yeah. finally get to see Celestials. Yeah, I love that. There's like, how many movies now since Eternals? There's been like at least five or six where we just don't have any explanation to a a celestial halfway poking out of the earth. <laughs> like, when are we going to address that, guys? Phase six. All right. So why don't we wrap up the thoughts on Guardians by maybe just throwing this within our MCU rankings now that we have over 30 movies. 
I don't think we've talked about this really since maybe Doctor Strange multiverse. Um, so we have a few that we could fit within there. Uh, maybe kind of just working backwards. Where Where's Guardians falling on your list? Like, what's it in comparison to? And, and like, out of 32, where does it kind of rank? And I know, like, the top five or so are usually, like, 1A, 1B. They're kind of hard to distinguish. But is this, like, a top tier, mid tier, low? It's upper mid for me, right below the first one, to be honest. Okay. Above the second one, but below the first one. Yeah, see, I just, I have it in my mid-tier. So not so far apart from yours when we're talking about, you know, out of 30 movies. But I have it below both Guardians. I, I think this progressively got worse throughout the series. And and granted, I've seen it once. I'll probably end up liking it more the more I watch it. But to me, this is like right around my Iron Man 2, a little above Eternals, kind of like in that in that middle of the mid-tier, right in the middle pack. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I really liked it. I, I liked it more than the second one. Um, I kind of I feel like Guardians has been pretty consistent in quality though. Like I haven't feel felt like it got necessarily progressively worse, but it hasn't really made much improvements either. To be fair. Yeah, has any trilogy done that? Now that we have multiple trilogies, I would say Captain America got better over time. Spider Man, I feel like fair to say. Spider Man. Iron Man's kind of in that Guardians bucket where like. They kind of got worse, but not like terrible, terrible. I, I think that's probably its best comparison. I think Thor got better, which is not saying a lot because... It was in the bottom it, already. <laughs> it had two bottoms, and then it got really good, and then we got Thor 4. Okay. Yeah, the the latest stuff hasn't been all that great, but I feel like we've, we've had a few little gems in, in the rubble there. Yeah, I think we're both putting Ant-Man 3 in our bottom tier, you know, amongst the... I, I have it right there with, like, Doctor Strange Multiverse, but that's, like, right above Ant-Man and Wasp. I have it, you know, that's just above Thor for me. Looks like you've got it kind of just above Captain Marvel in those, you know, those high 20s. Yeah, I placed it pretty low, but it's not, like... It, it, Ant-Man 3, I thought, was the weakest out of the Ant-Man movies, to be honest. But it did have some flair that I think saves it from being, like, the absolute lowest tier there for me. It's funny, because I have it just above Wasp, but that might be, like, a 2A and 2B. Like, neither were that great. Uh, and, and again, that might be something where I benefit from watching it multiple times. But to me, when we talked about that, really the only redeeming thing was Jonathan Majors. He's kind of the Kenny of the MCU. He keeps dying. They keep killing him off in every single project. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Thor, Love and Thunder. I have it right there with like the original Ant-Man and Black Widow, kind of in that mid-tier bucket. I think I'm just a Chris Hemsworth fan, so that might be some biases within my ranking there. I put it a little lower, but honestly, I feel like the more I've rewatched it, the less, you know, like, un, I guess, unsatisfied or, or unhappy I am with it. I feel like it wasn't a terrible movie. It was just it just didn't quite deliver because Ragnarok pitched it up so high, too. Yeah. Ragnarok being in my top five, it's like it, it's so hard to come off of that and, and be better than that. Uh, few franchises have done that. But with Christian Bale's acting within it and with, you know, I'm a Hemsworth fan and seeing Natalie Portman come back there's highlights within that movie. It's just like a lot of the plot and dialogue was just subpar. 
Yeah, that felt like a writer's strike movie, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. These movies already suffer from poor writing. I don't know what's going to happen if they like if they don't have anyone writing these things. It's going to be like chat GPT putting it together. We can dedicate a whole episode as to what is going to happen to the writer's strike because I feel like that's going to be a huge, huge issue for any movie that's not finished with production as of this moment. Yeah. And TV but, shows, too. But uh, why don't we maybe we post our rankings on Instagram or something like that? Why don't we try putting our, our socials updated? <laughs> <laughs> why don't we make an effort here? <laughs> nah, never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> Cut that from the recording. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think we got a lot of movies in June coming up, um, a lot of Marvel projects coming up. And, you know, Star Wars is is ramping up as well. I think there's a Furious X. You know, definitely sure. next up on our list, right? Furious. Furry, X. I think it's Furious X. Oh, Furious X. Oh my yeah. god, Vin Diesel's really like getting out there. Then he's really diversifying his. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Very brave. <laughs> Uh, but no, any other last th- seconds thoughts on the on this or? Uh, no, I honestly I I enjoyed it. I thought this was a great swan song for James Gunn. I I'm excited to see what he's gonna bring to the MCU. To be honest, like I always thought he he was he was a good at under he was good he was a good director at understanding the source material. He was never shy about getting weird with these movies. Yeah. Um, that's part of the reason why I loved I've loved the work that he's done. The the quality and all that kind of varies a little bit, right? But. Um, I'm excited to see what he does at DC. Um, I'm gonna sad. I'm gonna be sad to see him go from from Marvel. But you know, I feel like this was the best ending we could have gotten for these characters. And at least Star Lord, at least judging from the end credit scene, it looks like he's going to return in some capacity. But I, I would, I feel like the rest of the cast, given the stuff that they've said about the MCU and all that, are probably not going to be set to return anytime soon. Yeah, that was going to be my note. Is I'm ex- I'm. I'm excited to see Star Lord come back and Chris Pratt come back and uh, some of those like you know news junket interviews where he's some people asked him like so this is the end for the Guardians and he's like at least the Guardians that I led you know that leaves the door open for me to be like okay maybe they form a second alliance or group or something like that or he does something on Earth that's interesting uh, he I wonder if he was impacted by knowing about Spider Man or not like if that spell impacted him. That certainly hasn't come up since. So that'd be really interesting to watch. Uh, but I agree. I think this movie's like, you know, we put it mid-tier for a reason. It's kind of right in the middle of there. Um, I'll probably like it more the watch the more I watch it. That was just off one viewing. I, I will say this movie brought me around on on Drax. I was always like, this guy's too weird. But I think uh, Bautista did a really good job with, you know, his humor and his, his line delivery in this movie. Yeah, I, I love the progression they've done with him from from movie one to this one. I feel like, and even the Avengers stuff, he's yeah. been consistent, but he's also been, like this was the this showed the, the the range of growth he's had over the years. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting line to draw there, where it's like it's the same Drax, but the humor just finally is like starting to play and like pay off for us. Um, I'm gonna miss right, these well. guys. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss this group. Yeah, the group that we had, right? But I think with Gamora's exit on it, I think we we start to like, you know, grieve like Peter in this movie, where it's like, you know, we had like, don't be sad because you had it and it's gone now. Like, be happy that you had it, right? 
right we can, we can evolve with it uh which is a really like nice message to deliver that you know we can evolve and we can accept whatever the new guardians are and, and it's the same thing when the avengers ended after civil war or what not civil war what was it where um iron man took off i think that was ultron and then like captain america goes to like train the new recruits and it's like ooh, this is a new look but it's like all right hey it's just the next iteration yeah yeah i agree oh, well hopefully they actually utilize it for something sooner than later here right yeah and that's one payoff that like or one thing that we haven't really seen paid off quickly right like adam warlock took how many years to develop so it would be nice if they kind of had a follow-up to just appearing in somebody else's movie yeah yeah well hopefully we'll see that soon and all this stuff is going to take a little bit of a break it looks like uh oh you know what before we go uh now that i'm thinking about it one thing that one trailer that came out of this movie and maybe it came out before and i just i never saw it but the marvels movie that looks great. Yeah, that trailer's a little old. I think it's a couple months old. Okay, I'm very behind. But my <laughs> my, my YouTube algorithm doesn't play it. But <laughs> when I saw that trailer, I was I was in on that thing, man. It looked really good. It plays like a good ensemble film, and I'm I'm excited to see yeah. the actors that played Kamala interact with with Brie because I feel like they, they would do well to kind of bounce off of each other. And, and finally, and the, putting and Monica, Monica into it, yeah, yeah. And then you got Nick Fury back in the mix. Like, hopefully, it's the real one. Like, <laughs> it looks pretty good. We'll find out in Secret Invasion. That's coming out soon too. Right. Yes. All right. So why don't we uh, why don't we wrap it up here and we'll pick it up with some movie next. Who knows? Fast X. Calling it right now. Fast <laughs> X. <laughs> you never know. Possibly. Uh, but with that. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.